the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. WTBN Pinellas Park. First Baptist Church of College Hill in Tampa has Sunday morning worship services at 7.30 and again at 10. Portions of this hour have been pre-recorded for broadcast at this time. Odyssey. The following program was pre-recorded for broadcast at this time. Up next is Verse by Verse, sponsored by Verse by Verse Ministries. to this charge, Paul says, I am not ashamed of this gospel. Why? Because it is God's power of salvation to everyone. In other words, what's he saying? And I want you to see this. Paul is saying, I am not ashamed of it. I don't care if they laugh at it. I don't care if they belittle it and call it a Jewish myth and a Jewish superstition. I'm not ashamed of it because it is God's power to save both Jews and Gentiles. He's saying, in essence, my gospel can be examined it can be inspected, it can be dissected, it can, it can stand up to any great minds that Rome has to offer because it is the power of God unto salvation. They'll find no fault in it. They'll find no errors in it. They'll find nothing illogical or unreasonable about it. It is God's power. I'm not ashamed of it anywhere, especially at Rome. The Bible has often been compared to a lion. Of course, at the heart of the Bible is the gospel message the good news of Jesus Christ. What makes it like a lion is that it doesn't need us to defend or protect it. It can stand up to any attack. As a matter of fact, many of the greatest Christian apologists came to faith in the first place because they attempted to prove, once and for all, that the Bible is not accurate or reliable. What they found in their research was just the opposite. However, unless the Holy Spirit gives understanding, the gospel will seem like foolishness because of the depravity of the human mind. But the inability of depraved minds to understand the gospel is no reason for us to be ashamed of it. Pastor Steve Kreloff is our teacher once again today on Verse by Verse, a daily radio Bible class. Pastor Steve has been the teaching pastor for over 26 years at Lakeside Community Chapel in Clearwater, Florida. Today's lesson is the conclusion of Pastor Steve's three-part introductory message in a series of messages about the book of Romans. Paul considered it of utmost importance that his readers in Rome would take his letter to heart. In order to encourage trust, Paul made some introductory comments. He established his credentials, content, and commission as an apostle. If you have your Bible with you, turn to Romans chapter 1. Let's take another look at the credentials Paul offered to the Romans before we move on to consider how he expressed his concern for them. Here is Pastor Steve. Some people think that if you don't have those credentials, you can't speak for Christ. Paul used none of that. He said, I am a slave, a servant. That's it. I remember one time I was sharing the gospel in my office a number of years ago. And in the middle of the gospel being presented, this man stopped me. and He said, wait a minute. Are you ordained? I said, yes. Like it really mattered. Uh, but it mattered to him. I said, yes. He said, okay, go ahead. 
You see, in his mind, he was saying, do you have the right credentials? The only credentials you and I need is that we're slaves of Jesus Christ, and we've been sent by him. Maybe you're not one of the 12 or 13 apostles, but you've been sent by him, and you have been set apart, primarily in this life, to present the gospel. You haven't been set apart for your job, although that's important. You haven't been set apart for other... It is the gospel that you have been set apart to proclaim. So Paul says, I have the right to proclaim. I have the right credentials. I'm a slave of Christ. I do what he, what he says. But the question is, what does he say to do? He says to present the message. And their question in their mind was, what's the content? Is it consistent with what we've believed? And Paul says, yes, I have the right, I have the right message. I have the right content. Look at verse 2. Which he promised beforehand through his prophets in the Holy Scriptures. Paul says, this isn't anything new. What I'm saying to you is not original. You see, to the Jew at that church, he would say, are you coming with some new philosophy? And Paul says, no, it's based on your scriptures. To the Gentile who would be saying, is this some philosophical thing? Is this some some Greek thinking? And Paul says, no, I'm not making this up. Its basis is in the Old Testament scriptures. See, Paul's role was simply to proclaim a message from God that had already been revealed in the Old Testament, and he was to make it known in light of the facts of of Christ's coming, his life, and his death, and his resurrection. And that's why he says in verse 3 and 4, he says, this is what the message is. This is the content concerning his son who was born of the seed of David, according to the flesh, who was declared to be Uh, declared with power to be the Son of God by the resurrection from the dead according to the Spirit of holiness, Jesus Christ our Lord. Now I want you to get the larger picture. We could spend weeks on this, on these two verses alone, but I want you to see it as a unit. What's he saying? He's saying the content of the gospel is Jesus Christ, the man, Son of David, the man, Son of God, God in flesh, declared to be the Son of God by the resurrection, which Jesus said in John chapter 2 was the ultimate sign, the resurrection. He's simply saying, look, the content of my gospel is the person of Christ based on the word of God. That's really all that he's saying. That's the heart of it. Paul made sure that he preached the right content. In fact, he said, if anybody doesn't preach this message, this content is to be accursed. This is our message. The message that Christ died that he was buried, that he rose again, that he's the God-man. That's our message based on the scriptures. You preach that message? I know you want to preach that message, but how many times we get sidetracked? Someone raises an objection. Someone tells us, well, what about so-and-so? And we get off on tangents and we're speaking about this movement and that movement, what God's going to do with the heathen and, and all these things. And w- Listen, the message, the content is Christ. Not even your testimony, not even your experience with Christ. It is Christ and Christ alone based on the word of God. That is the content. And people will not give you a hearing. They will not be interested in listening to anything else but the word of God. The content of our gospel is the person of Jesus Christ. Now, Paul's got the right credentials. He has the right content. What about the commission? What about the, they're wondering, well, why come here to Rome? Why come? Paul says in verses 5 through 7, through whom we have received, that is through the resurrected Christ, we have received grace and apostleship to bring about the obedience of faith among all the Gentiles for his namesake, among whom you are also the called of Jesus Christ. 
to all who are beloved of God in Rome, called the saints, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. This is the right commission. I want you to understand something. Paul is saying, I belong in Rome. I'm not a stranger. I belong there. I'm the apostle to the Gentiles. And you, he says, are primarily a Gentile church. I belong there. That's the commission. But watch. He says, and this is what arrested my attention, verse 5, for his name's sake. When he was converted, the Lord Jesus Christ said, Paul, I'm going to send you to the Gentiles. And you're going to tell them about me for my name's sake. And Paul says, that's my commission. I have a right to be here. I'm doing it for the glory of God. That's Paul's reason. That's his purpose. That's his commission. Not to build a name for himself. Not to build a great church. Not even primarily to to see people saved. But primarily for his name's sake. As someone has said, he wanted more people who are going to join in in eternity in the Hallelujah Chorus. So the praise of his glory. You see, our commission is to speak as a slave of Christ, to speak the right message, his message about him. And it's to do it for the right reason, the glory of God. So Paul's got the right credentials. He has the right content. He has the right commission. But does he have the right concern? Is his heart burdened for this church? I'm convinced that people will never listen to what we have to say about Christ if they don't first sense our love for them. This is where a lot of us go astray, isn't it? We're so concerned about sharing the gospel that we can be insensitive to the unsaved. And sometimes we just feel like I've got to get it out and then I move on to someone else and there's an insensitivity many times. We don't really care what they're saying. We don't really listen to their heartbeat, what's bothering them. We fail to express our love for them. Or we have a class that we teach or someone we're responsible to deal with and and that class isn't listening to us because they aren't convinced of our concern for them. Paul realized this and he knew he had to convince these Roman Christians that he had a concern for them so that their letter, his letter would be warmly received by all. So Paul says in verse 8, first, he says, first of all, I want you to know this. I thank my God through Christ Jesus or Jesus Christ for you all. See, Paul was from the south, for you all. Because your faith, because your faith is being proclaimed throughout the whole world. Paul says, first of all, I, I give thanks to you. And he said, what's so unusual about that? Paul's always giving thanks for all the churches. Yeah, but most of those churches he founded. Most of those churches he started. Most of those churches he was personally involved in. This church he wasn't. Can you be thankful for another man's work? Can you be thankful for another ministry in this church that you have no involvement in? I hear people talk all the time about their own ministries. Can you be thankful for something that you aren't even remotely involved in? Can you be thankful for a church... In our area, maybe a church you left. You'd be thankful for them. You'd be thankful for the work that's going on there. That's where you really express concern, a thankfulness. He was thankful their whole that their faith was being proclaimed throughout the whole world. Are you thankful when God is using somebody else and the word is going forth? You thankful for them? Not only was he thankful for this church, but he constantly prayed for them, 9 and 10. For God, whom I serve in my spirit and the preaching of the gospel of his son, is my witness as to how unceasingly I make mention of you, always in my prayers, making requests that perhaps now, at last, by the will of God, I may succeed in coming to you. Now, why did Paul want to know, want them to know that he was praying for them and specifically that 
He was praying he'd be able to come to them. Paul expected them to question his constant prayers for them. He thought they, he thought that they thought he was so remotely removed from them, he didn't even care about them. Paul's saying, look, God is my witness. This God whom I serve in my spirit, God is my witness. I pray for you all the time, and I pray that I might be able to be there. Why did Paul have to say that? Because I, I think that many of them doubted that. Twenty years had elapsed since Paul's conversion, and he's, he hasn't been to see, to see them once. Some had to wonder if Paul really cared about them, and Paul says, do I care? Do I care about you? I've been praying for you all these years, and the burden of my heart is that I might come personally to see you. Paul is so concerned that they lay hold of this. God is my witness. In 2 Corinthians chapter 11, Paul related many of the physical hardships he had endured for the sake of Christ. Then in verse 28 he said, Besides the other things what comes upon me daily, my deep concern for all the churches. That concern for the people of those churches, including the church in Rome, was one of Paul's greatest burdens. If you just joined us, welcome to Verse by Verse with Pastor Teacher Steve Kreloff. Pastor Steve is the teaching pastor at Lakeside Community Chapel in Clearwater, Florida, where he has been serving since 1981. What makes a person interesting? Well, many people have interesting stories to tell or fascinating careers, but that kind of interesting wears thin after a while. What makes a person most endearing is the interest they express in you. Even though Paul had so far been unable to visit Rome, he was definitely interested in the believers there. Let's go back to class now for the conclusion of Pastor Steve's introductory message on the book of Romans. Now, why did Paul want to come and see them? Verses 11 and 12. For I long to see you in order that I may impart some spiritual gift to you that you may be established. You know, Paul isn't saying I'm going to come with a bag of spiritual gifts. I'm going to hand them out. No, only the Holy Spirit gives spiritual gifts. He does that at the moment of salvation. Paul isn't saying I'm, I'm coming, I'm going to give you a gift. He says, I'm coming to give you myself. And you need to be taught in the exposition of the word of God. But you know, that sounds arrogant. Paul didn't mean it to be arrogant, but that does sound arrogant. You people need to be taught by me. I'm the spiritual gift. And so he says immediately, he understands how that sounds. And in verse 12, he says, but wait, wait, that is, I, I want to explain, that is that I may be encouraged together with you while among you. And he says, I need you too. It isn't that I'm just coming to, to teach you. I need you. I need to be refreshed, each of us by the other's faith, both yours and mine. We reciprocate. There's mutual fellowship and mutual ministry. Paul had the right concern for these people. Do you have a concern for the people you witness to? Or are they just statistics? Just somebody you've got to speak to because you're under obligation. Do you have a concern for the people you teach, people you minister to, your own family? Do you pray for them? Are you thankful for them? Do you long to help them in their faith? You see, you may have the right credentials. You may be really a servant of Christ. You may have the right content. You may preach such a wonderful gospel presentation to people. You may have the right commission. Sure, the Great Commission says go and proclaim the gospel to everyone. You may have everything in order. But if you have no concern, you know what you're like? You're like a clanging cymbal or a noisy gong. That's irritating. Nobody wants to listen to it. That's 1 Corinthians 13. Paul says, if I don't have love, then that's what I am. I'm just one 
Noise. Just noise. You see, people can see if you're interested in them, and they'll never be interested in what you have to say if they aren't convinced, first of all, that you're interested in them. So Paul says, oh, you're on my heart. I've got the right concern. And finally, and this is this is the heart of it, and I want you to think as clear about this as you have on anything else that we've said this morning. Verses 13 through 15, the right confidence. And I don't want you to be unaware, brethren, that often, he says, I have planned to come to you. I've been prevented thus far in order that I might obtain some fruit among you, even as among the rest of the Gentiles. I am under obligation. I'm a debtor both to the Greeks and to the barbarians, both to the wise and to the foolish. Thus, for my part, I'm eager to preach the gospel to you also who are in Rome. We could spend hours on this, weeks on this, months on this alone, but I want you to see it as a unit. These verses, along with verses 16 and 17, are perhaps the most misunderstood or some of the most misunderstood verses in all the word of God. Paul says in verse 16, I'm not ashamed of the gospel. It's the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. Some have taken that to mean when Paul went into a restaurant, he didn't pray silently, prayed out loud, because Paul wasn't ashamed. If somebody accused him of being a Christian, he didn't hide and give a silent testimony. Paul witnessed to his neighbors, they say, and they interpret this to say that it means you have to have a boldness, that you don't cover, cover it up. That may be true, but that's not what this verse is saying. When Paul says in verse 13, I don't want you to be ignorant or I don't want you to be unaware, whenever he says that in the New Testament, it's because they were ignorant and they were unaware. That's why he says it. I don't want you to be like this. And you know what these believers were ignorant of? Some of them in the church at Rome believed that he purposely stayed away from them. That's right. They think he purposely stayed away from Rome. They felt that he feared coming to Rome. And they're thinking when something like this, Paul, you're afraid to come to Rome. You've been to Ephesus, Thessalonica, Philippi, Corinth, hick towns compared to Rome. You know why, Paul, you've stayed away from Rome? Because you know that the moment you set foot in Rome and you start preaching your gospel, the intellectual leaders of this city will tear it apart. They'll take that gospel, Paul, and they'll put it under the microscope. And they'll tear it to shreds. They'll show how illogical it is. They'll show how unreasonable it is. They'll show that it is full of errors. That's why you've stayed away, Paul. Maybe you go to these other places, but you're afraid to come to Rome. Do you realize that Rome was the center of the world? It was the zenith of human civilization, which resided in Rome. The great universities were in Rome. The philosophers were in Rome. The Caesars were in Rome. The scholars were in Rome. The educators walked the streets of Rome. It was, it was the primary center of the known world. The height of civilization was in Rome. And you see they're saying, Paul, your gospel's all right for other places, but not here. You dare not come here because you'll know what they'll do with that gospel. And to this charge, Paul says, I am not ashamed of this gospel. Why? Because it is God's power of salvation to everyone. In other words, what's he saying? And I want you to see this. Paul is saying, I am not ashamed of it. I don't care if they laugh at it. I don't care if they belittle it and call it a Jewish myth and a Jewish superstition. I'm not ashamed of it because it is God's power to save both Jews and Gentiles. He's saying, in essence, my gospel can be examined. 
It can be inspected. It can be dissected. It can, it can stand up to any great minds that Rome has to offer because it is the power of God unto salvation. They'll find no fault in it. They'll find no errors in it. They'll find nothing illogical or unreasonable about it. It is God's power. I'm not ashamed of it. I'm not ashamed of it anywhere, especially at Rome. Why, Paul? Why aren't you ashamed of it? He says in verse 17, for in it, for in it, this is where the power is, for in it is the righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith. That is from the principle of faith to us receiving it by faith. As it is written, but the righteous man shall live by faith. What he's saying is, I'm not ashamed. I don't care what intellectual giant looks at it. He can't find anything wrong with it because it is the only plan that God has. The only plan he has by which he takes an unrighteous person and makes them righteous. The gospel reveals the righteousness of God. That is mankind's only solution to the sin problem. And if you are going to get people to listen to you, you must have confidence in your message. Paul did. His confidence wasn't in his intellect. His confidence wasn't in his uh, three-point outlines in a sermon. His confidence wasn't in his backgrounds of being a Pharisee and understanding also the Greek world and the Jewish world. He says, I'm not ashamed. It'll stand any test. Listen, the gospel can stand up to any tough customer you have in your family. The gospel can stand up to any friend who poses arguments to it. The gospel can stand up to any professor you have at a university who tells you that it is simply ridiculous. The gospel can stand up to it and you need to make sure you're not ashamed of it because in that gospel is revealed God's righteousness and that righteousness is God's power, that whole plan to save your family member, to save your, religion, your, your professor at college, to save a friend, a philosopher, anybody. And you need to be sure that you have confidence in that message. People aren't interested in listening to someone who has doubts about what he's saying. Do you have doubts about the gospel, its power? You think you have to add things to it? You think you have to make it more attractive? You think you have to come up with flowery words? If you don't have confidence in this gospel then you've got a problem because this is the only glorious plan that God has to make men righteous. He doesn't have plan B. This is it, and it works. Rome thought they were so powerful. Paul says their power is nothing. This is the power of God. They are puny when it comes to the power of God and the gospel. If you do have doubts, then I encourage you to come back because we're going to be expounding this gospel and you're going to be seeing how Romans will meet every doubt that you have. When we get through studying this book, you're going to see not only that it is the power of God and the salvation, but in it is God's righteousness presented, defended, and demonstrated in our lives. I think this series on Romans is going to be a great spiritual adventure for all of us. I hope you'll be able to listen to all of the studies. Now, we have enjoyed having you with us for Verse by Verse. Pastor Teacher Steve Kreloff is our teacher for these daily Bible classes. Pastor Steve has been serving at Lakeside Community Chapel in Clearwater, Florida for over 26 years. If you find yourself in the Clearwater area on a Sunday morning, why not come worship with us? Pastor Steve would be thrilled to meet you. 
Lakeside is at 1893 Sunset Point Road, halfway between US 19 and the beaches. By the way, Lakeside operates one of the finest Christian schools in the area. You can learn more about it at lakesidechristianschool.org. That's lakesidechristianschool.org. Verse by Verse Ministries adapts Pastor Steve's messages to radio format, and they are an extension of his teaching ministry. We are a faith ministry made possible by the gifts and prayers of listeners like you. To hear today's class again or any previous ones you might have missed, check out our website, versebyverseradio.org. Today's broadcast will be there on the homepage, and you can find previous ones on the archives page. While you are there, you might like to sign up for our free podcasting service or our complimentary newsletter. That's versebyverseradio.org. Our class today was the conclusion of a three-part message. You can hear the entire message at once by ordering a cassette or a CD. Just call us at 727-441-1714. Leave your name and a number, and we will return your call during weekday office hours. That number again is 727-441-1714. The word gospel is another way of saying good news. Paul said he was not ashamed of it, but what is so... Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.